Volume Two, Chapter Seven, of the Seaboard Parish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. The Seaboard Parish by George MacDonald. Chapter Seven at the farm leaving the younger members of the family at home with the servants we set out for a farmhouse some twenty miles off which turner had discovered for us connie had stood the journey down so well and was now so much stronger that we had no anxiety about her so far as regarded the travelling through deep lanes with many cottages and here and there a very ugly little chapel over steep hills up which turner and winnie and i walked and along sterile moors we drove stopping at roadside inns and often besides to raise connie and let her look about upon the extended prospect so that it was drawing towards evening before we arrived at our destination on the way turner had warned us that we were not to expect a beautiful country although the place was within reach of much that was remarkable therefore we were not surprised when we drew up at the door of a bare-looking shelterless house with scarcely a tree in sight and a stretch of undulating fields on every side a dreary place in winter turner i said after we had seen connie comfortably deposited in the nice white curtained parlour smelling of dry roses even in the height of the fresh ones and had strolled out while our tea dinner was being got ready for us not a doubt of it but just the place i wanted for miss connie he replied we are high above the sea and the air is very bracing and not at this season too cold a month later i should not on any account have brought her here i think even now there is a certain freshness in the wind that calls up a kind of will in the nerves to meet it that is precisely what i wanted for you all you observe there is no rasp in its touch however there are regions in this island of ours where even in the hottest day in summer you would frequently discover a certain unfriendly edge in the air that would set you wondering whether the seasons had not changed since you were a boy and used to lie on the grass half the idle day i often do wonder whether it may not be so but i always come to the conclusion that even this is but an example of the involuntary tendency of the mind of man towards the ideal he forgets all that comes between and divides the hints of perfection scattered here and there along the scope of his experience i especially remember one summer day in my childhood which has coloured all my ideas of summer and bliss and fulfilment of content it is made up of only mossy grass and the scent of the earth and wild flowers and hot sun and perfect sky deep and blue and traversed by blinding white clouds i could not have been more than five or six i think 
from the kind of dress I wore, the very pearl buttons of which, encircled on their face with a ring of half-spherical hollows, have their undeniable relation in my memory to the heavens and the earth, to the march of the glorious clouds, and the tender scent of the rooted flowers, and, indeed, when I think of it, must, by the delight they gave me, have opened my mind the more to the enjoyment of the eternal paradise around me. What a thing it is to please a child! I know what you mean perfectly, answered Turner. It is as I get older that I understand what Woodsworth says about childhood. It is indeed a mercy that we were not born grown men, with what we consider our wits about us. They are blinding things, those wits we gather. I fancy that the single thread by which God sometimes keeps hold of a man is such an impression of his childhood as that of which you have been speaking. I do not doubt it, for conscience is so near in all those memories to which you refer. The whole surrounding of them is so at variance with sin, a sense of purity, not in himself, for the child is not feeling that he is pure, is all about him, and when afterwards the condition returns upon him, returns when he is conscious of so much that is evil and so much that is unsatisfied in him, it brings with it a longing after the high clear air of moral well-being. Do you think, then, that it is only by association that nature thus impresses us, that she has no power of meaning these things? Not at all. No doubt there is something in the recollection of the associations of childhood to strengthen the power of nature upon us. But the power is in nature herself, else it would be but a poor weak thing to what it is. There is purity and state in that sky. There is a peace now in this wide still earth, not so very beautiful, you own, and in that overhanging blue which my heart cries out that it needs and cannot be well till it gains, gains in truth, gains in God, who is the power of truth, the living and causing truth. There is indeed a rest that remaineth, a rest pictured out even here, this night, to arouse my dull heart to desire it and follow after it. A rest that consists of thinking the thoughts of him who is the peace because the unity, in being filled with that spirit which now pictures itself forth in this repose of the heavens and the earth. True, said Turner, after a pause, I must think more about such things. The science the present day is going wild about will not give us that rest. No, but that rest will do much to give you that science. A man with this repose in his heart will do more by far, other capabilities being equal, to find out the laws that govern things, for all law is living rest. What you have been saying, resumed Turner, after another pause, reminds me much of one of Woodsworth's poems. I do not mean the famous ode, you mean the ninth evening voluntary, I know, one of his finest and truest and deepest poems. It begins, 
had this effulgence disappeared yes that is the one i mean i shall read it again when i go home but you don't agree with woodsworth do you about our having had an existence previous to this he gave a little laugh as he asked the question not in the least but an opinion held by such men as plato oregon and wadsworth is not to be laughed at mr turner it cannot be in its nature absurd i might have mentioned shelley as holding it too had his opinion been worth anything then you don't think much of shelley i think his feelings most valuable his opinions nearly worthless well perhaps i had no business to laugh at it but do not suppose for a moment that i even lean to it i dislike it it would make me unhappy to think there was the least of sound argument for it but i respect the men who have held it and know there must be something good in it else they could not have held it are you able then to sympathize with that ode of wadsworth does it not depend for all its worth on the admission of this theory not in the least it is necessary to admit that we must have had a conscious life before this life to find meaning in the words but trailing clouds of glory do not come from god who is our home is not all the good in us his image imperfect and sinful as we are is not all the foundation of our being his image is not the sin all ours and the life in us all god's we cannot be the creatures of god without partaking of his nature every motion of our conscience every admiration of what is pure and noble is a sign and a result of this is not every self-accusation a proof of the presence of his spirit that comes not of ourselves that it is not without him these are the clouds of glory we come trailing from him all feelings of beauty and peace and loveliness and right and goodness we trail with us from our home god is the only home of the human soul to interpret in this manner what woodsworth says will enable us to enter into perfect sympathy with all that grandest of his poems i do not say this is what he meant but i think it includes what he meant by being greater and wider than what he meant nor am i guilty of presumption in saying so for surely the idea that we are born of god is a greater idea than that we have lived with him a life before this life but wordsworth is not the first among our religious poets to give us at least what is valuable in the notion i came upon a volume amongst my friend shepherd's books with which i had made no acquaintance before henry vaughan's poems i brought it with me for it has finer lines i almost think that any in george herbert's though not so fine poems by any means as his best when we go into the house i will read one of them to you thank you said turner i wish i could have such talk once a week the shades of the prison house you know mr walton are always trying to close about us and shut out the vision of the glories we have come from as woodworth says 
a man i answered who ministers to the miserable necessities of his fellows has even more need than another to believe in the light and the gladness else a poor job's comforter will he be i don't want to be treated like a musical snuff-box the doctor laughed no man can prove he says that there is not a being inside the snuff-box existing in virtue of the harmony of its parts comfortable when they go well sick when they go badly and dying when it is dismembered or even when it stops no i answered no man can prove it but no man can convince a human being of it and just as little can anyone convince me that my conscience making me do sometimes what i don't like comes from a harmonious action of the particles of my brain but it is time we went in for by the law of things in general i being ready for my dinner my dinner ought to be ready for me a law with more exceptions than instances i fear said turner i doubt that i answered the readiness is in everything and that we constantly blunder in but we had better see whether we are really ready for it by trying whether it is ready for us connie went to bed early as indeed we all did and she was rather better than worse the next morning my wife for the first time for many nights said nothing about the crying of the sea the following day turner and i set out to explore the neighborhood the rest remained quietly at home it was as i have said a high bare country the fields lay side by side parted from each other chiefly as so often in scotland by stone walls and these stones being of a laminated nature the walls were not unfrequently built by laying thin plates on their edges which gave a neatness to them not found in other parts of the country as far as i am aware in the middle of the fields came here and there patches of yet unreclaimed moorland now in a region like this beauty must be looked for below the surface there is a probability of finding hollows of repose sunken spots of loveliness hidden away altogether from the general aspect of sternness or perhaps sterility that meets the eye in glancing over the outspread landscape just as in the natures of stern men you may expect to find if opportunities should be afforded you sunny spots of tender verdure kept evergreen by that very sternness which is turned towards the common gaze thus existent because they are below the surface and not laid bare to the sweep of the cold winds that roam the world how often have not men started with amaze at the discovery of some feminine sweetness some grace of protection in the man whom they had judged cold and hard and rugged inaccessible to the more genial influences of humanity it may be that such men are only fighting against the wind and keep their hearts open to the sun i knew this and when turner and i set out that morning to explore i expected to light upon some instance of it 
some mine or other in which nature had hidden away rare jewels but i was not prepared to find such as i did find with our hearts full of a glad secret we returned home but we said nothing about it in order that ethelwyn and winnie might enjoy the discovery even as we had enjoyed it there was another grand fact with regard to the neighborhood about which we judged it better to be silent for a few days that the inland influences might be free to work we were considerably nearer the ocean than my wife and daughters supposed for we had made a great round in order to arrive from the land side we were however out of the sound of its waves which broke all along the shore in this part at the foot of the tremendous cliffs what cliffs they were we shall soon find end of chapter seven